Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. Before we get started, I need to shout out my patrons. You're the reason this episode is possible. Pat yourselves on the back. Here's a reminder that 10% of my ad and patron money goes to support local LGBTQIA youth via InCircle. Check out my link tree for more information. And now, onto this episode's guest intro. Ginny Loveday is a staple in the TTRPG community, especially in event planning and publishing circles. Her start in community organization and game design both came from volunteering and jumping in where she saw needs. And now it's her full-time gig. An amazing success story from a person who put in the work and deserves her success and recognition. Enjoy! Hi, I am Jenny Loveday. I do too much. That's like the best summary. <laughs> I am currently full-time the lead editor for Steamforge Games, a tabletop company, board games, and RPGs based out of Manchester, UK. I freelance for a variety of companies doing both design, writing, and editing. Uh, Wizards of the Coast, Renegade, Steamforge before I got hired on with them, Alligator Alley, and Nerdburger, along with numerous other smaller indie publishers, and did a lot of work on the DMs Guild. And I also because that's not enough, you know, organize some conventions every year. The tabletop RPG director at Momocon down in Atlanta, Georgia, where I have never lived. I'd like that on the record, everybody, before we get to that later. (laughs) That's a common misconception. And I do um, community organizing, cosplay, and streaming, and podcasting, and stuff. All the things. Also, the social media manager for Baldwin Games. There we go. I knew I left out something big. (laughs) <laughs> I probably should have just said, what haven't you done? And then we could have narrowed it down a little bit. Art. <laughs> yeah, art. Okay, there we go. Not an artist, nor am I a musician. So I hire people at fair rates for those things. TTRPG backstory, you know, going on the way, way back. Always been a nerd, always into that. But got into D&D specifically in college. Uh, a friend of mine was like, hey, do you want to play D&D? We're going to do something... Originally, she said Dragonlance, which I had read the novels and was like, that's that? Yes, of course. Then we did not do Dragonlance. We played a fourth edition game set in Om, and it was super fun. And so that was me forever playing D&D. And then fifth edition came out, was involved in the D&D next playtest because Knoxville, Tennessee is apparently like a locus of gaming with like people being involved in like high level magic gathering and having gone way back in history and D&D. And it doesn't make any sense, but it is true. Weird got into community organizing then because no one else was doing it and i was like well we want to have the cool stuff so sure i can tell people what to do then got into convention organizing which is the story that i want to tell i was at dragon con my second time attending and i am escorting my boyfriend at the time and his friends over to the DD room where they're going to play an epic that i did not have tickets for because nobody explained how to get tickets and they were sold out by the time i figured it out myself and i was a little salty but whatever And there is this lovely woman with brightly colored hair and she just looks wild eyed and she's trying to corral what looks like 6,000 nerds all at once to get them out of the walkways because the fire marshal will shut your stuff down at Dragon Con. 
And she's having a panic. She's trying to get her DM meeting going. And like, I'm dressed as Little Red Riding Hood. I'm like all five foot five. She's trying to get her DMs in there. She's trying to get people corralled out here. She's trying to do like six tasks at once. And she's clearly having a struggle. So I'm like, hey, it looks like you need to go in there and do a thing. But you want these lines to be organized. And she just like looks at me like, who are you? Yeah, that is what I want. Completely doubting my ability. She's like, I don't know if you're going to be able to do this. But you've now volunteered. So <laughs> shuts the doors, takes her DMs in there with her. Comes back out in Paige's words, I have alphabetized them, sorted them by shirt color, blah, blah, blah. No, in reality, I, in a very commanding voice, was like, if you have a real ticket that has a real table number on it, you must stand over here. Your elbow must be touching the wall or you're not in line. Please group yourselves in groups of five brand new friends or five existing friends. I don't care. You're all friends now. If you have a hopeful ticket, you're hoping to get a seat at this. You all must stand over here. Again, your elbow isn't on the wall. You're not in line. She comes out. You know, I'm going down the line. just chatting with people. I'm like, hey, you know, what are you excited about? We're all excited to be here. And she comes out and they're like all nice and orderly and chatting quietly amongst themselves. And traffic is freely flowing, importantly here. And she like looks at me. And she's like, don't move. She comes and bra- drags her director out. She's like, Brooks, I don't know who this woman is, but we need to keep her. <laughs> and then we became good friends. And once you organize one thing at a convention, you're staff forever. <laughs> so you did all that without the lanyard, without the t-shirt. No one questioned your authority? No, 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 no. That's the secret. You act like you need to be somewhere and act like you need to be doing the thing. And people are like, oh, yes, yes. That sounds right. They need a leader. People crave a leader that they can follow. It was really just a big mass of like confused people. They're like, where should we be to play this game? And I'm like, good news. I have that answer. That answer and only that answer. No further answers. And then they were like, well, what level can I be to play this? I was like, okay, actually, I have that answer too. I did read the event description (laughs) because I wanted to play it. Natural born leader. Yeah. You were able to easily corral a bunch of nerds, which leads me to my next question, which is how did you get into running games for people? (laughs) Which goes back to the, uh, in Knoxville, you know, community organizer, no one was doing it. So we had a store running games on the east side of town. Knoxville is not a very large town, but it is very sprawling east to west. I worked on the far west side of town. I had a group at work that I wanted to game with, but we didn't want to game at the office because, I don't know. We didn't want a game with all those weirdos. We wanted a game with just us weirdos. <laughs> but there was a gaming store literally across the road. So I went over there one day and I was like, hi, what night would we not be in the way when we game here? And he's like, what? I was like, we're going to play D&D here. This is a game store. It looks like you have open tables for gaming. What night would we not be in the way? <laughs> and they're just like, uh, I don't know, Tuesdays? And I was like, Tuesdays it is. All right, uh, we'll see you on Tuesday. <laughs> And then started showing up and then people were like, oh, are you guys all doing D&D over here? And like, because I've been organizing at the other one, I was like, you know what, I'll hang a banner here as well with our website info on how to do it. And like, this is going to be a new location. And so started doing more tables on Tuesdays besides my work group. I was running a game every night of the week, pretty much at that store. Oh, geez. After work. You'd go to the store. <laughs> Didn't have other GMs <laughs> yet. But then people were yeah. like, oh, God, you're doing so much work. And I was like enticing some of the GMs from the other store who were finally like, you know, I actually live on the west side of town. And I'm like, oh, do you now? <laughs> yeah, come on over. <laughs> Funny about that. Do you want to just drive towards your house at the end of the day and GM there? And so they were like, yeah, you know what? Then we were running so many games that they started like shunting the magic events out of the way. They're like, you guys can have all of really? Tuesday and you can also have Wednesday. Fridays are sacred. And I was like, I would never ask for Fridays. Like one table on Friday. We'll take the one in the back. But that was that. 
kind of never really looked back. I love GMing stores for strangers. I have a very hard time keeping like consistent home group going because I get tired of seeing the same people. <laughs> I get tired of their <laughs> nonsense. That's funny. <laughs> I've never felt that way, but you know. So I'm planning on running some games for a local convention here in Utah in the spring. But I've, yeah. number one, never been to a con. Number two, never run games at a con. So yeah. for the uninitiated, give me like the one to three things you would do to prepare for the masses. Just go ahead and talk yourself through the fact that there's no sense planning too far ahead. You're probably going to run Adventurers League stuff because that's what cons want. If they want yeah. to let you run whatever it is that you want to run, great. Don't lock yourself into a story you have in your head. Nothing survives first contact with players. That's why the Adventures League content, it's a framework. Yeah. We're all hitting points A, B, C, D. Everything in between, you know, A.1, A.2, A.3, all different for everybody. <laughs> and you're going to be teaching as you're doing it, or you're going to have a group of players who've played tons and tons and tons and tons, and you will have to establish clearly that, hey, I love you all, and I understand and respect that we've never gamed together. My rules are going to be my rules. We can disagree, but if you don't like the way that I run a game after this table, thank you for playing. Please choose a different DM. You just have to understand that like you're going to have that mismatch in expectations. But right. I absolutely love it because you meet so many brand new people and it really expands the scope of what you think of as how people can interact with the game. Especially like DMing at conventions for brand new players because they have the wildest ideas. They're like, all right, so this might sound a little weird, but have you seen, like, insert random samurai ninja movie? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, there's this one scene where, like, it's going to run. It's going to kind of do, like, the knee slide in between the legs. And then I'm going to try to, like, vault off the wall behind them. But not to, like, go back over them because this isn't, like, anime or anything. But, like, kind of grab them by the shoulders. But now I'm behind them so I can, like, yank them down on their back. And then I'd try to, like, punch her in the face. Can I do that? And I'm like, that sounds so cool. Absolutely. You're going to do all of that. Let's get our little check to see if you knock her down. And then if so, you absolutely, you just punch her in the face. I'm not going to make you roll for that. I love convention DMing. It's so unexpected. You don't get the mundane, the monotonous, the, yes, Steve, you're dwarf, Alphineas, he lights the dwarven spirits on fire. I know, right? That's what you're, yes, that's what you're, okay. Yeah, nailed it. That's what you're going to do again. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah, I get that. There is a certain monotony that comes from playing with the same group because they're going to use the same combos and spells and tactics and whatnot. So yeah, I am excited. I just am unsure of what to expect. Thanks for the advice. I will definitely take that to heart and see how it goes. In fact, I'll let you know how it goes when it happens. Yes, I can't wait to yeah. hear. Yeah, the biggest advice is don't set any expectations for yourself. <laughs> I had someone else tell me like, yeah, just know that like, you're a good DM even if someone tears you to shreds because, like you said, they're going to have some rules or whatever that they play by. And Don't take it personally. They came in with their expectations, and yeah. if you don't meet them, this just wasn't their cup of tea. They'll find it. Yeah. I love it. In the years you've been running games, what are some of the big mistakes you feel like you've made, big problems that have come up, examples of how not to DM that you want to share with us that we could learn from? It kind of goes back to the same advice that I just had. Early on, when you're first learning to GM, especially when you're learning to GM pre-published content, you're like, well, it says here. Cool. Sometimes it does not matter what it says there. Like, what it says there 
might just like not be fun. Or like maybe it's like, oh yeah, they have to solve this puzzle with this specific answer. And you're like, cool. And I get how that's the answer, but like they just came up with a really cool solution that also makes sense. Those were some of the mistakes that I made early on were being like Mm. too rigid with what was written. It sucked the fun out of it for me. It sucked the fun out of it for the players. I improv a lot now. I've done entire games that are pretty much 99% improv where I have a concept in mind for what we're doing. And I've got some random tables that I have set aside in case I all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know a single monster that exists in the entirety history of monsters right now. And some of the other mistakes that I've made are trying to think that I will remember anything. And a lot of this has just been to me growing and realizing like who I am as a person. Like I didn't know that I had ADHD when I started Dungeons and Dragons after I got my diagnosis and everything. And I'm like, yeah, I've been trying to push myself to like, I should know what all these spells do. No, I go in, you know, generally when I'm playing a game, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to ask you all a lot. Tell me what that does. It's as much for me as it is for all the other players here on like really easy ones. Even I'll be like, how many damage dice is fireball again? (laughs) A lot of my worst mistakes have been like trying to push myself beyond limits that like I know that I have. I don't like to run high level games at conventions because there's a lot of possible interactions between spells, between like magical effects going on. It's a lot of stuff that I can't keep straight in my head well enough to where I feel that I've done whatever adventure it was justice for those players. I love running high level content, but like it needs to be something that like I've prepared and prepared and prepared and prepared and prepared or something I wrote (laughs) because then I know how it goes. I've spent 12 months staring at these words and I hate them, but I know them. (laughs) (laughs) As far as really fun memories from your games, do you have any that come to mind that you all still talk about or laugh about? Really epic things that happen could be combat or role play or whatever else. There was one adventure I ran at Winter Fantasy a couple years back where they were trying to find some dirt on a first mate on an airship for like giants back during the Storm King's Thunder. And the crew is all conscripted, normal size humanoids of various types. They talked to the first mate guy and like they found out he likes minotaurs. And they're like, that's kind of weird, whatever. It's just like an offhand thing they found out. Like he's got a fascination with minotaurs. And they're like, that's kind of neat. Minotaurs are kind of rare. Yeah, makes sense. I'd be kind of fascinated with them too in game. Then they go in his cabin and they find he's got a minotaur fursuit in a chest in his room. And so they have decided now that like he's a furry. It's a female Minotaur pursuit. And I don't want to go too far into it because they got a little explicit. (laughs) But (laughs) the other people at the table, so it was like three guys and like the other two people at the table were like, oh yeah, he puts it on and he like stares at himself in the mirror and he's like, I'm the most beautiful Minotaur woman ever. I could love me. Because, you know, he's got self-esteem issues. And I'm like, yeah, totally. But this makes him feel beautiful inside and it makes him feel loved. And I'm like, that totally makes sense. He comes into the room and sees them. And one of them has put the suit on and is prancing in front of, I don't know, <laughs> invisible mirror, which doesn't exist. Of course. And like turns around to the guy. All of a sudden, like they confer between themselves in character, like in the room with the guy looking at them. And they're like, what was his name again? What was it? Stuart? Edward? Leonard? I don't know. Shoot. 
And then they're like, Leo, my darling. And I'm like, close enough to his name, sure. <laughs> He's like, it is I. I have been summoned from the maze. And the guy's like, oh, no. And they're like, our wizard here did a summoning spell, your beloved. And she thinks that you're underappreciated here in your current role. And she really wants to like make an escape with you. But she's not physically present right now. We've got her spirit inhabiting the body of our friend. But like, if you want to make a break with us, she's told us. And I'm like, this is like most out there thing. And they're just like, and I'm like, all right, uh, let's yeah, I guess make some uh, persuasion or deception. I don't know. I feel like this could really go either way. And they're just like, no, straight up persuasion at this point in time. We're not deceiving him. He is cool. He does deserve more than this. We truly believe that. But also we need him off the ship. <laughs> He's not being treated well. So I'm like, all right, let's roll with it. And the guy's like persuading him. And like, I'm going to sneak off now and tell like the captain that like he's slacking. So he comes in here and starts yelling at him and makes him realize that we're right. He's been treated poorly and goes and does just that. And then they're all just like yelling and rejoicing because they're like, yay, we've role played. I'm like, all right, so now where are you going to find a female minotaur? Since it was persuasion and not deception. They're like, oh, no, <laughs> shoot. <laughs> and I that was it. probably one of like the most memorable like improv role play things where i was like all of this because the text described that there was the skin of a minotaur inside of his chest because he's obsessed with them and they were like definitely a female definitely one we can just like don this thing and it's like a fursuit i was like okay <laughs> the whole suit <laughs> there's nothing here that indicates that that is not the case so yeah we'll go with True. that a prime example like you said of being flexible <laughs> with the way that players take things that's really funny there is a game from Atlas Games called Furry Pirates. It is a TTRPG. The only reason I know it exists is because I have some friends who run a podcast called Two Weeks, One Shot, and they play a new system for every one shot, and they do like three or four episodes for each. And they always joke they're going to do Furry Pirates, but never actually do. But it sounds like it already existed. You had a guy they on should. an airship. with do a, it. <laughs> They should. You hear that, Alex? You should do it. And Brian, I guess Brian's the one that we need to convince. Anyway. Yeah. Do it, Brian. Do it. Ginny said so. Some of the best combat things, most memorable ones, come from like games where I run for kids. I love running games for kids. I ran at Game Hole Con this year, Animal Adventures, where you are animals. They're awakened animals. So you just, you are a corgi who's a cleric. The corgi's not anthropomorphic, anything like that. You're not biped. You are a corgi. You're also a cleric. Anyway, some very exciting combats and stuff from the minds of kids because again like they don't have any like preconceptions about how a combat should be they're like all right i've found a box of what you have described to me as glass bottles full of various colored liquids and we've gone through the whole psa on like in-game sure if you want to like taste each one to find out what it is you could do that real life unidentified liquids don't drink them all that jazz <laughs> right because they're kids you gotta make sure that they realize you shouldn't do this in real life but they're like, all right, so we could start tasting them. But you're right, you're right. Even in-game, a potential side effect of drinking unknown things is perhaps death. I don't want any of my new friends to die. What if we run a really long rope to the box and we shove it over there in the doctor's laboratory where he's making frankenweenies and I light the rope like a really long fuse? Do you think like the mixture of unknown potions would explode? And I'm like, it seems very likely that if you put a bunch of unknown liquids together and add fire that we could get a good explosion. And they're like, yeah, we're going to do that. So kids just using like their surroundings and like everything that they've just learned. And they're like, let's make a bomb. 
out of potions. Oh, that's so awesome. And then they're all like, no, no, we got to push it a lot further because remember all the animals we're trying to rescue are in this room and what if it's too big of a bomb? So we got to get it like really far in there and let's string our ropes together. So now we have a hundred feet of rope. So a hundred feet of fuse. Just like the most unconventional choices and stuff. Like that's what makes it super memorable. Like people being like, all right, this is going to sound weird. And I'm like, lay it on me. (laughs) I'm ready. Trust me, I've heard weirder. (laughs) We had a furry minotaur. I love it. I feel like all of the people I talk to who have ended up as DMs kind of have like stuff that they have experienced or done in their past that have led them to this, right? So what do you feel like about your past experiences have molded you into the DM you are today? I don't know, you know, probably like the thousand or so tables that I run at conventions, (laughs) maybe more than that at this point. And every single one of those is like a learning experience and like, what are you expecting to get from D&D and how can I make whatever it is like learning to be moldable, (laughs) actually. That's what has and like, that's where my joy continues to be like running for strangers because I love that unknown. I run for my friends too. But even then, they're always like, yeah, you've like been running so many like weird things and you're like constantly working on these various projects that like we never know what we're going to get when we sit down at a table with you. I have friends who like intentionally seek out my games at conventions because they're like, I've sat at your table for like, I don't know, several dozen games now and they're never the same experience. And I love that. And I'm like, well, no, it's because it's never the same group. And even if it is the same group, we're probably going to do a different thing. <laughs> also too, like being a creator really makes you appreciate the intricacies of various things, especially because like if you're running something that's published, like somebody put a lot of work into that. And so knowing how much work I put into things, if I'm going to run something and it's written, I am going to read it. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to highlight it because I have to print it out. I don't really like running from computer. I can. I do it for virtual games. Why waste paper when I'm just sitting at home? But like making sure to find like those Easter eggs that they put in there, those hidden references, those puns that they worked into there and got past their editor. I'm going to use those puns. So like having it from both sides. And then also the editor hat on being very forgiving. Like, all right, this bit doesn't make any sense, but like I can clearly see the bones where a good idea was in here. So like we're going to run with that. Being forgiving with people who just like don't quite know how to explain what they're going for. You're like, all right, just throw some words out there. I can get further yeah. with something than I can with nothing. I consulted with a couple of my friends as I was putting together this Kickstarter, right? And I'm like, here's the concept. And they're like, but this is just fluff. What does this even mean? So I had to go through a few iterations and I talked to a few people before I distilled what I think was a good way to explain it. To get down to like the essence of it. Yeah, like yes. the first time you explain something, you're just like, word yep. vomit. Way and then they're much. like, cool, cool. That's usually when I like look at someone, I'm like, what about the elevator pitch? If you got me for 30 seconds, how would you explain the game? And they're like, I don't know if I could. I was like, you can work on it. <laughs> yeah. And if you can't, then maybe you should think about that. You're not ready yet. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm saying you're not ready yet. Yeah, you'll get there. Take it back, put it back in the kiln, work it over. It's fine. As far as players at your table, since you have played with so many different players, what do you think makes the ideal D&D player? I'm going to preface this with the, the caveat that like this answer is going to be different for every DM, but I know a couple of things at least that I know every convention DM appreciates. Somebody who's engaged. If you're a note taker, by golly, we love you already. We loved you before you ever sat down. If you're a note taker, we love you. 
someone who, where I don't have to always be the person who's like, oh, no, no, that's a really good idea. What were you saying? You encourage others. You're like, okay, well, I'm going to do this. And like, you had like a cool ability, right? Where like, we kind of play off of each other, right? If I heard you earlier, like that kind of player who's like listening, who's considering what everyone else has. Like, I build a cleric. Like, yeah, I'm a cleric. I can heal you. I've got buffs. I've got whatever. So I want to know what all you all can do, like, as a player. So, like, I can figure out, like, how am I best going to fit in all of my things to, like, not only, like, have my cool moments be like, oh, guess what? Four of you just died, but no, you didn't. (laughs) But also to be like, okay, so Barbarian and Paladin are about to, like, charge in and everything, but I'd like to make this, like, super extra chargey any and i'm gonna haste them real quick that's a sorcerer twin cast that haste i'm gonna twin cast haste uh, on my on my sorcerer and i'm gonna stand back and uh watch the damage happen and then i'm gonna come in and clean up i'm gonna ask you all to evacuate and we're gonna drop a swift fireball when they're all down like you know half health yeah no that's good that's good i was like or if you don't care i catch you in the fireball whatever way you want to do it you know so like those players who are like thinking like a couple of steps ahead about like how can we play off one another that's like the best and then ones that just like really get into the inaneness of a fantasy game they don't take it too seriously that's my ideal kind of player like yeah make those animal noises come up with that ridiculous name yeah drop the puns i want to hear your best dad jokes i'm here for it i'm gonna give you inspiration for dad jokes at the risk of inundating myself with dad jokes i do that we're here to have fun if we're not having fun then like what are we even doing I love that. Perfectly happy if somebody's like, oh, I'd love to run a super serious game here. We're going to do some political intrigue. You'd be like, cool. Not my forte. Could try my best. Apologies when I crack the joke. You could just be like, they're just cracking the joke to let some of the tension in the room out, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're doing. I definitely err on the side of jokey and punny as well. I don't know. Like you said, I want to have fun with it. And so when I think of something funny to say, I want to say it. I don't want to like have to hold it in and be super serious. Like you said, some people love those types of games, but yeah, I'm with you. And I try to establish that expectation up front. I got a spell jammer game that I wrote and ran at a convention. I guessed it at down in Orlando and Uh like in the character creation things. Last one was, it was definitely not just treasure planet. The sequel. It was, it was 100%, but it was sweet. Come up with a way that, you know, Captain Hawkins, the more outlandish, the better. Which was really great when one of them was like, oh yeah, we were married. And I was like, I guess I probably should have said what age Captain Hawkins is. (laughs) So it ended up like, because Captain Hawkins is 18 and this person's like, uh, you know, 200 and something year old uh, elf. They were like, in a different timeline though. We've done some time traveling around here, but we were married. And I've just got to, you know, I'm going to wait a little bit in this timeline until the age is up to the appropriate 80 years old or something like that <laughs> and then reconvince him of our love and they walked into the bar and i was like so you see this young man standing there he looks like a you know 18 20 ish and they're like oh my backstory just got really interesting really interesting <laughs> yeah walked into that one <laughs> i was like sorry we can come up with a reason why this works still and they're like yeah i was like timelines they're like perfect that way, none of us are implicated in anything we don't yeah. want to be. It was fine, though. They did spend the whole time then trying to convince the captain that you don't worry. You have a great love awaiting you in the future. Just being like, you have love. Don't worry, man. Somebody loves you. Promise. But not nice. yet. I think Treasure Planet would be an excellent Spelljammer campaign. I know there's a lot of good candidates out there. Yeah, but it's Spelljammer. 
it is Spelljammer, like through and yeah. through. Like everything about Treasure Planet is Spelljammer. Like it's really hard when you like look up Spelljammer like synopsis and then you look up Treasure Planet synopsis. There are these pirate ships, but they're flying in space and you're like, ah, <laughs> that sounds familiar. Sometimes they go through portals and they can visit different planets, all of which have like different like realm spaces, you know, all of which have like their own different quirks and everything. And there's just like all manner of characters because you're accumulating them from all of these realms. And you're like, yeah, you know, it's you're treasure describing Treasure Planet to me. <laughs> I don't think it got the love it deserved. It's too bad. It's on Disney Plus, though, in the US anyway. It is. I watched the entire thing in preparation for that con. Nice. nice. <laughs> And now, a word from How Not to DM's sponsors. First, let's hear from Actual Play Podcast, Memester of the Week. This is Memester of the Week. We're a Monster of the Week Actual Play Podcast. It goes like this. A reluctant cult member, his stoner roommate, a skeptic YouTuber, and her fake camera person walk into a diner. They then walk out of the diner and drive off to hunt the things that go bump in the night. Inspired by shows like Supernatural, The Adventure Zone, and The Crit Show, join four friends as they travel across the country solving supernatural problems and trying not to cause more problems than they solve. If you've ever wondered what it would be like if Scooby-Doo had guns and magic and monsters rather than real estate moguls, this might be for you. Welcome to Memester of the Week. I have a book of Monster of the Week on my bookshelf behind me as I'm recording this, and I've been meaning to dive into it, so maybe this is the sign that it's time. Next up, let's hear about the Lonely TTRPG Podcast. Greetings, Wanderer, and welcome back to Lonely TTRPG, the solo actual play and review podcast. I am your host, Steel Stass. Join me every week as I play through a new solo TTRPG for y'all. You can find Lonely TTRPG on your favorite podcasting site, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you're more of a visual learner, just look for The Black Dragon Dungeon Company on YouTube.com. Remember, just because you're playing alone doesn't mean you have to start alone. See you soon, Wanderer. Such a cool concept because there are so many solo TTRPGs out there, and I feel like in the last couple of years, there's been an explosion of them being created and played. So great content. Go check it out. Last but not least, I want to give a shout out to podcasteditors.online and videoeditors.online. Podcasteditors.online is the group that edits this podcast, and they do an awesome job, as you can hear. They also do actual play podcasts or any other kind of podcast that you may have. So take a look at their website at their great rates and see if you are interested in buying some editing hours a la carte. And if you tell them I sent you, you might get a little discount on your first couple of hours there of your podcast. So check that out. Videoeditors.online, also very useful if you are a YouTube creator, if you have any kind of video content, TikTok or Reels, short form YouTube shorts, they do it all. So go check out videoeditors.online if you're a video creator and you want to take advantage of that too. So same deal if you want to mention How Not to DM sent you, I'm sure they'll hook you up with uh, some discounted hours to start. So yeah, check those both out if you are a podcast or video creator or both. All right, with all that out of the way, let's dive into this week's version of Quickfire Chaos.
welcome to Quickfire Chaos! This week on Quickfire Chaos, Ginny and I are going to roll on some random D100 tables from the internet and create a scenario to roleplay. We're going to start off with the voice. 89. Make up adjectives and assume everyone knows them. <laughs> okay. Next is personality trait. 21. Given to or using fraud, cheating, deceitful, deceptive, crooked, underhanded. So dishonest. I mean, those two match up pretty easily already. So far, this is going well. Yeah. The third one is the job that your NPC does. Ooh. 78. Author. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick it. The dice This did. isn't just me, is it? No, I'm just kidding. The last choice here is between fetch quest or city quest. Which sounds more fun? I love a city quest. Okay, let's do it. Okay, city quest. 82. The party encounters a burning building and must rescue several commoners trapped inside. Later, they discover that this is one big string of arsons. Okay, so I'm going to say you know what's happening in the city. And like there's a building that's burning somewhere in the proximity that you, you need help with or something like that. I will be a halfling bard who's just plucking a merry tune on a lute and walking merrily down the street, heading somewhere or other. What's your name? Topher Bagwell. All right, Topher. The kind of building that you have entered kind of looks a little bit like kind of a mix between like a stationary shop and a bookshop. There's a lot of papery things going on here. The shopkeep there as the, the bell kind of dingling over. The smell of smoke kind of gently wafting in from outside. She looks hmm. at you, she says, oh, oh, gosh, be right with you, right with you, one moment. And she looks up, she says, oh, oh, you must be those new adventurers in the town. I, 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 um, you know, I, I've been looking for someone to help me with something if you've got time. Oh, yes. Oh, and you can buy I stuff, too, if you want. I think I was I was looking at some of the books you have on the shelf. I think I will uh, come back and look at those. But yes, what what do you need? Oh, help with? oh yeah, we have we have great books. Uh, some of them I've even written myself, you know. Um, oh, but they're you're they're an author. Oh you yeah, write? they're they're. Uh, yeah, you know, every now and again, I've written a couple of things. Uh, you know, mostly shopping lists and how tos and some tutorials and uh, you know, like a couple of potion making books, but. I don't know. Some people say these potions aren't great, but, you know, they're liars. It's fine, though. But anyway, so what I need your help with, though, is... Um, so there's actually a couple of rare books that I was supposed to get from someone. And um, they haven't shown up. They haven't shown up. They're being really, like, uh, smurfalicious, you know? Uh, no, you're yes. not... You know, no, no, I, I think I understand you perfectly. Uh, yeah. The books, you have purchased them from other people in the city? Or... Yeah, sometimes, you know, like rare first editions, you got to find the collectors and then you got to get them here and put them on the mm -hmm. shelf so you can do a little markup on them. You know, got to keep a business afloat after all. Oh, I understand profit margin. Yes. Okay. Right. And uh, who are the people that you bought the books from? I could go by their place and ask for them. Well, um, the uh, Lord and Lady Byron um, down the street, uh, okay. you know, Kind of over in the crown sector. Not, I mean, they're they're affiliated with the fam royal family. Or, well, not really royal. I mean, they call themselves lords, but it's the all Byron's, yes. 
Okay. Um, but anyway, so so they've got a couple. Uh, apparently, their cousin uh, Cecilia she died, and so they were wanting to give them to me. So I've got this. Uh, it kind of a like a you know preliminary IOU type thing, and you're supposed to take it over there to them. My shopkeeper Lucinda, she was gonna do it, but uh, it's the dink girl. I just don't know where she is. She hasn't shown up three days in a row now. Hmm, uh, so that's could very you? Strange. Could you do that? And um, you could give this to him, and they'll give you the books, and you bring them back. And um, hopefully everything's fine, because she points out the window toward the smoke rising in the sky. They are definitely over there. So, oh, you think that it might be their place on fire? It would be unfortunate. Well, uh, I, I, they're spell books, and they're supposed to be super rare and powerful, so um, it could be that somebody lit it on fire if they didn't want me to get a hold of them. Uh, I would hope not. Well, I would hope uh, what? You said your name was. Oh, my name's Marilda. Marilda, very nice name. Uh, Marilda, may I see this IOU? Mm-hmm. And she pulls out a piece of paper. It's all like kind of embossed around the edges, real fancy and everything. It says uh, Marilda's Menagerie. And then it says, you know, it's kind of got a little bill of sale kind of like thing. List out a couple of books. And it's got Peter's periphery, perfunctory spells, and things like that. And then at the bottom, it says 5,000 golden dragons, which is a tiny sum of money. Yes, this is quite a sum, uh, Marilda. Well, you know. Uh, You have this money uh, that you will pay them later? I just don't want to go to the doorstep and ask them for the books and they say, we need some money and I give them this and they don't accept it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, yeah, no, 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 I totally understand. They would never do that. No, no, we've, we've spoken, we've corresponded a bunch of times and back and forth, you know. Uh, it's going to be on the up and up, but uh, as a matter of fact, um, I don't even think they're home right now, so you're supposed to meet with a butler. His name's Gerard, and you give Gerard the note and Gerard will give you the books and everything's fine. Okay. And well, you bring them uh, back here. Actually, that's the last part. That one's very important. <laughs> yes, I, I I understood that part. Yeah, uh, it was a given, as okay, they say. I would hate to have to send the city watch after you. You seem like upstanding individuals, even though we just oh, met. No, please, please. You would never have to. Uh, I would go uh, attempt to contact the Byrons. You said uh, their butler, Gerard, would be there. I oh, would go Gerard, try tall, to talk to him. Looming kind of, you know, he's uh, a little uh, a little squishless. Uh, yes, uh, I understand perfectly. Gerard Butler, yeah. Uh, I will I will go uh, attempt to talk to him and mm, get these yeah. books for you. Oh, yes. that be, you are such a delight. I'm so glad that you came in here today. I was worried that you wouldn't be in until tomorrow. It's just what I described, but I'm glad you're here today. Uh, it is what you you uh, what? Sorry, Zed. What did you say there? A scribe, scribe, uh, oh. in like surprise scribe. You know, it, you were it's expecting not a very common art. Uh, well, yeah, but I thought I was expecting it tomorrow, so it's a surprise to me. So you know, scribe. Right. Uh, do you use uh, these big words in your books as well? I don't think they're really that. I mean, it's I, only like ten letters. You're right. I. Uh, yeah, uh, they will be very you know, interesting. You know, if, if you're if you if you like the language, I mean, I could probably give you a copy of one of mine for free, and you could see. Uh, you uh, know what? I'll do. I'll throw that in. I'll throw that in for free. 
yeah, after I come back, I would love to see your work. Uh, speaking of which, uh, the book is is great, but uh, what else could I expect uh, as payment, considering that oh, you for are your courier expected? services? But of course, your courier services. Yes, um, let's see, uh, we could do a ten percent on the ten percent. I it is more than fair, my lady. Marita, uh, I will go get these books for you. Okay, they're priceless artifacts, so please, 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 please. I will keep them safe. He pats his, his uh, bag of holding he's got. I will keep them safe. Okay. Right. Uh, I will see you very soon. I kind of leave <laughs> unsure about what I'm getting myself into. But if, if it works You're out, like, it could be a lot richer. Gold, 500 gold. Right. Shoot. Did she burn down these people's house? Eh, 500 gold. <laughs> Or did Gerard? Oh, Gerard Butler. Who knows? <laughs> I was on the spot. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. <laughs> Excellent. That's exactly what it's about. Cool. You talked a little bit about doing some stuff for DMs Guild and working for various different publishing companies in various different capacities. So yeah. How did you get into game design originally? God, I wish it was an interesting story, right? So I had been organizing conventions, and then uh, Wizards released, at that point in time, it was the Convention Created Content, the CCC program, which later began, became the Community Created Content, was opened more broadly, and is now the Dungeon Craft program. But anyway, so then it was conventions only. So your convention could submit to have their own Adventurers League-style adventures written, and then submitted to the Adventurers League, and they would now be Adventurers League official, and you could sell them, and other conventions could run them, and you could potentially make money. But more importantly, mm -hmm. you could have your own exclusive content to draw people in. So because I had been organizing, and I was pretty great at that, a convention that I worked with was like, hey, you did good work. You want to write? And I'm like, these skills, clearly, they translate. But good news, I have indeed written words before in my life. So sure, I'll try. I make no promises to the uh, you know goodness of it. It might be trash and indeed the first thing that i wrote was utter garbage but it's fine i learned a valuable lesson if you've never written an adventure don't try to do a mystery first off mysteries are hard even when you are a experienced adventure writer but the first time you're writing especially when you're writing for something that's organized right you gotta know the technical side of it as to like how should i lay this out what bits do i have to have what bits should i not put in here like the technical writing side of it and then trying to fit a mystery into that format and make sure that you put enough clues in there it was not great i haven't redone it since then a lot of people have modified it and played that adventure like streams and stuff since then there's a good adventure in there it's just not written there so that was how i got into game design and then i got um contract from the Adventurers League program themselves from Hasbro and they're like do you want to write and I'm like I've gotten garbage like hot garbage out of the way so now I can write like slightly less garbage so yeah sure and then I had written at that point so people are like just kept offering me writing jobs well it's a good way to get your foot in the door though that's interesting yeah. I didn't know that you could write or you could apply to Hasbro to have them include your stuff in Adventurers League I'm imagining that's what this con I'm going to in the spring probably does. Yeah, it's actually a lot easier now. You don't have to you don't have to apply and all that. The Dungeon Craft program oh, yeah. is open to the community. So there's strict guidelines for what you can write. There's adventure seeds that you use, but they're very <laughs> loose seeds. It's just like a vague idea of like not the current ones, but one of the previous set of seeds was like there are two kobolds in a trench coat. Where has the third gone? Here's the yeah, magic item you can give out. 
And they're like, use that, give out this magic item, here's the template, go. And so you'll see dozens on the DM's Guild of Adventures using the exact same seed, and none of them are the same adventure. Because what happened to the third kobold? Could be any number of things. Could be a portal from the far realm. Could be like he's sleep drunk at the distillery. Whatever. And so like with each book release that comes out now, so the current spell dungeon craft is Spelljammer. And so there's Spelljammer related story seeds. And like you just, you write something using those story seeds. And as long as you follow all the guidelines, it is Adventurous League legal. And then you can publish it as an Adventurous League legal content on the DMs Guild. So it's pretty nice. easy to do now. The uh, entry point is pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. The bar to entry. That's nice. What's easier than writing your own stuff? And what's more difficult when you're thinking about writing and game design? So there's like pros and cons to both, right? So if I'm yeah. writing like an official Adventures League module that they've contracted me for, so they're going to give me an outline and they're going to all the story points that I have to hit. Like they provided a lot of things. So there's a pretty rigid structure that I have to follow there. So that's both good and bad. It's good in that like, I don't have to sit there staring at a blank piece of paper going like, I need an adventure. I need an adventure. I need an adventure. I've got nothing. Instead, I'm like, okay, so this cool thing happens, and then somehow we need to get to this cool thing. Logically, how can we make this make sense? Oh, I've got an idea. Off we go. All right, now we need to get to this cool thing, but there's a bit of time to kill, and we're changing locations here, so let's do a couple of, you know, scenes. We got to get to where we can find the person to transport us, and then we transport it, and we have the whole travel thing where now we get there, and now this thing happens. We got a couple of bits there. Having that structure, I really like it uh -huh. because. I can then just kind of outline out the different sections. So like taking these outline notes and being like, all right, so first location, we're going to start in Termish. What gets us moving to the next part? All right, we received an invitation to go to the giant's court. How are we going to travel? All right, we need to give a couple of different modes of travel here. So let's set up little scenes for like, do they want to find a wizard and pay for him to cast teleport? Do they want to find a wizard and owe him a debt? Do they want to hoof it? Do they want to, you know, contract some boats, whatnot? So, they, you know, it's nice to that because you can come up with a lot of different things going there while still having that structure of like, all right, I can't just stop and be like, and now where do we go? Now I, I know where they go. So, like, that's great. And then, like, you know, of course, cons on the other side are like, you could have this really cool idea and be like, yeah, no, that's not going to fit into anywhere in here. Or like, I have written an extra 30,000 words and we can't use them because <laughs> they're not going to pay me for that. It won't fit in the word count. They have a published book they're doing and it literally will not fit. So now I have to trim 30,000 of my babies. And then like there's the flip side of I was contracted to write for Gamehole Con after they started doing the convention created content. And they're like, all right, cool. We want you to write. And I'm like, all right, cool. What do you want me to write? Because I'm like thinking, all right, it's a form of campaign. You're going to give me an outline, right? And they're like, you need to set it in the border kingdoms. And I'm like, got it. All right, what story points do I need to hit? And they're like, you need to set it in the border kingdoms. And I'm like, that is like the most generic fantasy area of the Forgotten Realms possible. So like really, so far, I've been given no limitations. It needs to be a fantasy adventure. Got it. And I'm like, any like things I need to tie into for everyone else's border kingdoms. And I'm like, not helpful. So I spent like a good week and a half just sitting there being like, I've signed the contract and I have no idea what I'm going to write. And so I was about it to my mom. Bless her. She says, well, are you going to write an adventure about my D&D &D character? It's like, yes, <laughs> sure, mom. at that point in time, the answer had to be yes. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I am. And so then I've got a key pivotal figure and like 
Simon is just like, he's just a guy. He just ends up in all these unfortunate situations. So like the whole thing kind of wrote itself from there. But like, that's one of the things about having no restrictions is like, especially if like someone with ADHD, like you're like, all right, I have an idea. And 40 other ideas that branched out from that and 40 ideas that branched out from each of them. And now I've got to wind it back in, wind it back in. And then like, that's me personally, like other people love that because there are no restrictions. They can be like, all right, so we've started in Termish. Here's the six ways that we could travel to get the next place. Once we get there, here's the six branching paths. And like, you could just go and you can, you know, whatever. So some people really love that, having that freedom. It can go kind of either way. It can be easy doing it with structure or easy doing it without structure or just hard you know it all depends on like where you're at at that point in time like are you prepared to write to structure to timeline to deadline to turn it over to like we're done we can't touch it again i use a lot of whiteboards to like map it out and be like all right so we've got a lot of choice going on here but not too much choice because we're doing adventurous league stuff for the most part is what i've been doing and so like you got to have player agency but not too much because we got to fit it still in less than, much less than 100 pages. <laughs> this project I've been working on, it's a one shot and it's like ballooned to over 20. And I'm like, that's probably too many, right? Four hour one shot should be about 5,000 words, not including your monster box. Right. That's the thing that takes up a lot of space is like, there's some additional rules we put at the beginning, some homebrew stuff that makes it fun. And then the adventure is probably about 5,000. You got to count the homebrew stuff. That's the right. hard part. Really? Wrap that all in. All your boilerplate, all your, in this adventure special thing, wrap that into your 5,000. It's hard. You got wiggle room, of course. If it's 6,500, it's close enough. <laughs> that rounds to 5,000. If it's 15,000, that right. does not round down to five, no matter which way you I don't think it. it's that long. It's pretty straightforward. I will check after this and let you know, though. Like you said, you've done a lot of community organization stuff. Do you have any recommendations on someone who wants to get involved? but who doesn't know where to start? Obviously, you got your start very differently than most other people will. So yeah, um, what would you recommend for people who want to volunteer? Yes and no. I did and I didn't, right? So like, I got started at the store level. I had a friendly local gaming store. That's true. And they wanted to have more D&D going on. And I was like, dude, our goals align. I too want more D&D uh, for selfish reasons. I can help you with that. And like, honestly, that's going to be the best way, like in person to like start with that. Start at your local gaming store or, you know, your local game day. If you prefer to like do cons, I recommend starting with like a game day, a manageable amount of things to manage. If you don't love project management, you're not going to love community organization. Once you get fully into it, it is spreadsheets, it's tracking, it's statistics, it's emailing, it's communicating, it's following people down and being like, hey, hey, hey. I know I've asked you 30 times and I don't want to bug you again, but you haven't done the one thing that I asked you to do, which was fill out this Google form and confirm what you're running. Thanks. And what time you're running it. That's important. So glamorous. It's super glamorous. Start small. If you like that, do a, a game weekend. Set up a thing to where like you're now bringing other DMs into your store. You're now mentoring other DMs and being like, yeah, man, this is what I do. You don't have to do it exactly like me. But, you know, we're going to work with the store now. We're going to find you a night when you want to run your tables. We could set up a calendar where you could just put on it when you're available so people can show up or set up a meetup or Warhorn is great for stores and small conventions as well. Or however it is you want to manage that. 
figuring out like what works for you and then just scaling it up. You've got your one store and now you're like, oh, well, there's another store in town as well. And they don't have D&D either. Maybe I can reach out to them. And now we can do D&D at multiple stores. Or now we want to do a bigger convention or grow our convention. Now somehow we're doing 12 conventions and helping four stores. Now you got a big community going. It might not feel like it because you're like, ah, it's still just podunk little wherever. You're doing more than your own table. You're doing something. It's true. I like it. Good ideas. It's giving me ideas too. Not that there's not enough conventions around here in Utah, but there's definitely some local gaming stores that I could try to partner with. SaltCon and all sorts of cons out there. Yep. SaltCon's the one I'm going to be going to. So, yeah. That was a good guess. Cool. <laughs> That's a great yeah, guess. Yeah, it was a good guess. So, you're headed to PAX Unplugged in a few weeks as of recording time. Mm-hmm. As of published time, it'll have passed already. But what are you planning to do while you're there? I am super excited. This is going to be my first PAX Unplugged. I'm probably planning too much. Key thing about big conventions, don't overplan it. (laughs) She'll just get upset. I am going to be working the booth a little bit, a very little bit, for Nerdburger Games. I'm also going to be running two sessions of games for them over in the Games on Demand area. Looking forward to helping my friend Craig out. Not their first time having a table at PAX Unplugged, but it's their first time having their own table. So super jazzed for that. I've worked on a lot of Craig's games. I am maybe going to be on some panels, a bunch of emails going around. We're not really sure what's been confirmed. A bunch of stuff waitlisted, so remains to be seen. By the time you see this, if you want me on your panels next year, you can hit me up like you know in advance and stuff. We can plan this ahead of time, pending packs, planning things ahead of time. And then I'm going to hang about and socialize and do some networking and stuff. I will have to figure out what social media platform I need to post where I'm going to be posting up on. Yeah. I'm just going to have to post it on like all of them and be yep. like, hey, I PAX you and I'm sitting in the lobby of the wherever it is. I'm going to stay here all night. You come to me. I, w- I promise you I will not move. <laughs> That's the best way to do that, by the way. I will be here. You come to me. <laughs> that is a good idea. Our future selves will know better than we know now what's going on with the social media world, but we'll see what happens. Cool. That sounds fun. Yeah, I'm super excited. Final words of advice you've got for people out there running games. And then I'll also have you add a few words of advice for creators out there who are wanting to get into game design or community organization or whatever it happens to be. If you had to boil down your wisdom into maybe like two to three points, what do you have for us? I had a couple here. One, you don't have to monetize everything. In this day and age of everything online, everything can be monetized. You can. You don't have to. It could just be fun. Also. Again, on the fun. You don't have to do too much of it. You can say no. Don't burn yourself out. If you've been DMing too much, maybe consider playing a game. I know, it's a novel concept. I try sometimes to do that. (laughs) It's hard. (laughs) No, but really, just remember from either side. It is a game. It's a thing that we do for fun, especially hard to remember sometimes as a creator. Like You're creating these things because you enjoy them and you're having fun. If you're not having fun creating, if you're not having fun creating campaigns to DM, if you're not having fun with the players that you're at, it's fine to just bounce. Say sorry. Don't just like ghost people. That's rude. But you can leave groups that you're not having fun with anymore. Be like, no hard feeling, but like, we're not matching. You're going to find your perfect DM somewhere and it's just not me. Even if it's your friends. It's really hard when it's your friends. But I have definitely done that with friends. Been like, I really want you guys to have a super fun game and I am not the DM for it. Because like, you see what you're wanting and it's not my style of DMing. And then for content creators, 
especially in the changing world of social media, it's very hard to sell your stuff. So you think that you're saying too much about yourself, but you're not. Don't be afraid to toot your own horn. If you're proud of your work, then say something about it. Your passion shows through and makes people want to buy it. And ask your friends to share your stuff. They're your friends. Whether that's DMing or content creating, they're your friends. They should be your support network as well. Although, of course, they are not your therapist. Right. You should pay somebody for that, probably. Yeah. Yes, definitely. What projects are you working on right now? Anything coming up that's fun that you can talk about, you know, that's not under lock and key? Let me officially Steamforge Games hat on. The Elden Ring Kickstarter will have just launched November 22nd. It's not uh-huh. going to run super long. We usually run them for about 10 days. So maybe done by the time this is over, but the Late Pledge Manager will not be done. So you can get in on that. The Animal Adventures Far Away Sea book will be hitting shelves sometime around then. We're experiencing supply chain disruptions, so it might actually be January. So you'll be able to buy that. And if you buy that, I wrote things in it, including a fox person. So please get that. Enjoy it with your kids, or you don't actually have to have kids to enjoy it. It's super fun for adults, too. You can be a fox person. You are a fox who is the sorcerer or whatever the heck you want to be. Also, the Adventures and Academia miniature set and a couple of free adventures for that are releasing January 31st. So all those timelines sync up nicely for this podcast. And if you haven't gotten them by the time this podcast comes out, the newest Epic Encounters boxes launched this month, which was November. That's the Dragon Turtle and the Crab Archon. So Crab PayPal. And then from me personally, we are launching our actual play moonshay stream november 22nd that's running through the beginning of february with baldman games and the executive producer on that so i'm super excited for everyone to tune in and see our amazing cast on that which i am not i'm producing and i'm all in the back end making important decisions and being like yeah i like that green it's a good green everybody it's a great green let's go with that one hey that's what producing is baby yeah and spending more money being like you know what would be cool what if we had character art i'm gonna pay someone to make character art for us That's the fun thing about being an executive producer, being like, this is really cool, but I'm going to make it even cooler. I'm going to spend more money. It's going to be really great, though, because people are going to love it, because the Moonshay Isles are super fun. If you haven't experienced them, they're like this weird mix of Celtic history and the Feywild kind of smooshes over along with the Shadowfell. And so there's a lot of like Fey shenanigans and like all sorts of cultures mismatched there. And it's not like the rest of the Sword Coast at all. It's like very different. So we're going to have six episodes of that running. Every other week starting November 22nd. So by the time this comes, you'll just need to catch up. I hope that you all tune in to that. I am super jazzed about that. Yeah, I'll make sure to throw the link in the episode notes here so you can go follow. Is it going to be on Twitch or YouTube? It will go on both. If you want to watch them live, it'll be over twitch.tv slash baldman underscore games. And we're baldman games on YouTube as well. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining me, Jenny. It's been a ton of fun. I love chatting with you. We chatted for a long time before we even started about all sorts of stuff like project management. It was a good time. Where can people find you online? Mine's easy. Uh, You can find me on the internet at Jenny Loveday or on my website, JennyLoveday.com. Excellent. So much fun to chat with you. I hope people will check out the stuff you've been working on. Oh, I'll drop the DMs Guild link as well. So people can go check out your work there too. For everybody, watch the rest of these episodes too. This has been fun. So I imagine the rest of them were great. Yeah, they are good. Jenny told me to tell you that my work is good, so you should go check it I out. I posted excitedly that I was going to be on this, and two people already told me, man, that show's great. 
Yeah, they did. Yeah. I love it when I uh, hear people who like my work. So thanks so much for joining me. And I hope you have a great rest of your evening and a great holiday season. Thank you for listening to How Not to DM. Now it's time for a sneak peek into next week's guest, D20 Deathmatch co-DMs and variety streamers Caustic Phoenix and Mudcat. Once you start, you can't stop. It's just like Pringles. We're not sponsored by them, but there they are. <laughs> there they are. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like it was Lay's in the 90s that was Bet You Can't Eat Just One or whatever. It's the same. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's like, all right, well, got to keep eating these. Got to keep doing this. That's a, that's a curse, though, and warning for everyone else. Once you start DMing, you will never get out of that space because everyone is looking for a DM. But if you're looking for friends, that's the best way to make them. <laughs> You'll never have a problem finding a group. Yes. If you, if you run the games, yeah. It's not just that. Obviously, yeah, you're expected to, to DM all the time because nobody else wants to do it. But also, I kind of think once you start DMing and you start getting to, like, run the world the way you want and set up the scenarios you want and the setting you don't really want to play for anyone else's world you want to keep playing in your world uh, at least for me to hear more about the dynamic duo's intro into ttrpgs the many years they've put into perfecting their craft and their best dm and gm advice tune in next week Here's a friendly reminder to rate and review the show and share it with friends and family who play TTRPGs too. New reviews will be read at the end of episodes as a thank you. Thanks to the team at T4C Studios for the help editing and producing this episode. My intro and outro music is by Daniel Zombo. The Quickfire Chaos music is by Exacat, and the Quickfire Chaos mood music that plays underneath while we're roleplaying is by my buddy Arcane Anthems. Check out the episode notes for more of their great work. And... As always, until next time, roll some Nat 20s for me.